Well, good morning. What a privilege it is to be able to come and bring the Word of God to you this morning. Uh, uh, for those of you who might not know, I'm the, one of the student ministry leaders here at New Vision Fellowship. And uh, like I said, pastor has asked me to fill in for him this morning. So you know if I'm filling in for him, what time you get now, right? <laughs> okay. All right, I entitled the message this morning, Spiritual Growth, Are You Hitting the Marks? You know, all living things, we're expected to grow, right? We expect things to grow that are alive, right? And as parents, we mark the mental and the physical uh, milestones of our children by when they can sit up. It's on. It's on. All right. Am I good? Well, it says on. Now? You're not picking me up. We're experiencing technical difficulty. <laughs> Please stand by. Got it? Oh, yeah. That's better, right? <laughs> now that we got that out of the way, like I say, we, we mark the milestones of our children by when they are, have the ability to sit up or roll over or even walk or talk. That's how we mark the milestones of our children. Uh, in the physical aspect, we mark the milestones by uh, maybe a mark on the door or like we did with uh, my children, we had a mark on their closet door that ever so often they would go there and we would mark how tall they were just to see how much they grew. And some kids, you can mark uh, how much they grow by their pant legs, right? Or the shoe size. And, and then kids, they can mark how they grow a lot of times by when they get big enough to ride that ride at the amusement park by themselves, you know, when they walk up to it and they're finally there. We grow spiritually as well, and uh, some kids are eager to grow. I read a message uh, by Ray Stedman, and he said that uh, he tells a story of a conversation he had with a young boy after a service one night. He walks up just making general conversation to this young man and says, Son, how old are you? And the guy says, uh, Well, I'm 12, going on 13, soon to be 14. Kids are eager to grow, Right. And parents are just as eager for their children to grow and uh, to try to find out one day what they might become. And there's a story told of a mom. She, was, uh, she had put her young child in the car just like she'd done every day. This mom happened to be a, a doctor as well. 
and taken her off to school. And like she does every morning, she had laid the stethoscope in the seat beside of her. And most mornings, there was no, nothing new. But this morning, there was a little bit something new as the little girl began to fiddle with the stethoscope. And as she began to fiddle with the stethoscope, the, the mom says, Wow, maybe she's thinking about growing up and becoming a doctor one day like me. And as her mind began to wander, she wonders, will they, well, will she grow up? Will she go to the same college that I went to? Or will she work at the same hospital that I work at? And while she's got all this going on in her mind and she's seeing her daughter grown, all of a sudden the little girl picks up the stethoscope and says, welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order, please? <laughs> I mean, we children, we expect them to grow. They have an expectation of growing, and so do we have an expectation of growing for them. Parents are eager for them to grow, of course. Did you know that God is just as eager for us to grow? If, we, if a, a child that we have is not growing the way that they're supposed to, of course, we get concerned about it, right? And we'll take them to the doctor. And the doctor pulls out a chart, and he says, this is where the child should be at this particular time, and uh, they, they get, he gets the information from what's supposed to work, you know, the height or the length of them, the weight of them, to tell you whether or not they're growing correctly. And if they're not growing correctly, the doctor will give you some things that you can do to help them to grow. Maybe there's some, something that they're not doing right or something that you're not feeding them or something like that. So it gives you good information. So as we look through this message this morning, I want us to go into the, to the doctor's office and I want us to begin to fill out the chart of how we are doing spiritually. How are you growing spiritually? How am I growing spiritually? Well, we're going to ask a, a series of questions as we go through this message to try to answer just how that's happening. How are we growing? How are you growing as an individual, spiritually speaking? How do you feel like feel you're growing? Well, we're not, we don't have a, a particular passage that we're going to draw from this morning. We're going to dart around the, some of the epistles this morning to uh, look into some of those to, for information about spiritual growth. So we're talking about spiritual growth and us hitting the marks that we should be at because in children, they have to hit certain marks, right, for them to feel like they're growing, for them to feel like that they're getting... You know, if you go to a doctor... Uh, when your baby's very small, they'll give you a certain percentile that your child might be in. Well, you might have a child who's in the 95 percentile, meaning that they're going to be 95 percent bigger than than everyone else, 95 percent taller, or even, they could be smaller, but they're going to give you some degree of where you should be. Do we even uh, think of those, in those terms about where we should be at, spiritually speaking, at this juncture of our life? Do we know where we're supposed to be at? Are there things in our lives that we need to change in order to get us where we need to go? Well, we're going to look at uh, Colossians chapter number 1, starting with verse number 9, reading through verse 12. Colossians 1, 1, 9 through 12 says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, 
fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with the power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, if you, you know about the book of Colossians, you know that in, at the very outset of that book, Paul, he was encouraged that these people at Colossae, they were uh, coming to faith and they were practicing the things that they were being taught and they were demonstrating love. And Paul's encouraged by this. And uh, he, says, he says here, he says, I want you to come to, I want you to get further though. I want you to have more knowledge. I want you to get a better understanding of, what, of what you, where you should be. And Paul, he's not satisfied with these uh, Colossians just uh, being converted. You see, he wasn't just satisfied with them being converted. He wanted them to go on further than that and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And we shouldn't be satisfied with just being converted as, as well. Or we shouldn't be satisfied with the people that we know that are converted just to remain the way they are. We should want to grow and we should want others to grow. And as we look through these, you're going to see that it is our responsibility as believers now to want to grow. Now look at the chart here that we got on the slide. And I asked the question this morning, where are you on the chart? Where would you place yourself this morning when it comes to faith in Christ? When it comes to a knowledge, a true knowledge of God? Would you place yourself as a babe? Having just a very limited knowledge about the word? A very limited knowledge about God? Or would you place yourself somewhere in the middle? Would you say that I'm, I'm no longer a babe, I've got some knowledge, and i am become a teen? And, you know, in the teen years, uh, teenagers, they can eat like you wouldn't believe, right? They just have an appetite to eat. They're doing all kinds of activities, and they have this great appetite. Is, is that you? Is that where you're at? Or would you consider yourself full-grown? Would you consider yourself to have come to a great knowledge of God's Word and a great knowledge of the Savior. Where would you pl- place yourself on that? Think about it. Is it important to you as an individual, as a believer, to know that you're growing spiritually? I think we have an environment here at New Vision Fellowship that is promoting the spiritual growth of believers. We have classes. We have people who are here, leaders that are encouraging uh, the discipleship program, trying to disciple people, trying to make them grow grow, grow spiritually. I think we're promoting the spirituality of believers. But does it really matter to us, or are we just satisfied where we're at? We're going to look at these things in terms of growth in our children as relates to spiritual growth in our lives. Okay? So, the question is, uh, 
uh, what does it take to spirit what does it take to grow spiritually the next slide what does spiritual growth look like what does spiritual growth look like listen to the verses right here he says paul speaking he says until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So what does spiritual growth look like? What do you think it looks like? Is, is spiritual, does spiritual growth look like a person who is constantly having to be uh, told what to do? You know, a child, when they're very young, for the most part, they have to be told what to do, right? They have to be told every single thing what to do. What not to do or what to do. And we know that. We acknowledge that, realize that. But for spiritual people, people who are spiritually grown, we should look different than a child that has to be told everything to do. We should grow spiritually so that when it comes time in our lives for, for us to do certain things that God has asked us to do, we just go ahead and do it. Now, we but need to realize of course, that we can't do anything within our own strength. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us that gives us the ability to do the things that we do. If we try to do anything within our own strength, of course, we're going to fail. But through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us, uh, we have the power and we have the ability to do all things, right? But not on our own. And then the next question, of course, is what does it take to grow spiritually? What does it take to grow spiritually? Well, you know we all need help. We all need help in our lives to grow spiritually. Now, Paul uh, Paul was there, and he was with the, 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 these uh, Colossian people, and he had a person there called uh, Epaphras, and he was there with them. And he was leading them, and, and Paphras, he brings the word to Paul about how encouraging it was that these Colossians were growing in the faith. And he's encouraged by it, and he wants them to uh, continue to grow in the faith, and so he, he gives them these marks that, he, that they need to follow. He gives them these marks that they need to follow, and so do Christians all grow the same? Do we think that they do? Do Christians all grow the same? Do children all grow the same? Now, children don't all grow the same, and Christians don't all grow the same, right? In Hebrews chapter number 12, chapter number 5, verse 12 and 13, listen to these scriptures. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need that someone teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. 
Here, the Hebrew writer is talking about, he wants to share some uh, deep information with these people at at, uh, here that he's talking to. He wants to share some deep information with them. But he says, I'm not able to share the, the deep things of God with you simply because you're still on milk. You're still drinking the milk. Now, baby, of course, is going to drink milk, right? A baby, we naturally expect him to. And he thinks at this juncture in their life, he says, you should have enough knowledge of the word that you not only understand it, but you should be teachers yourself by now. But they just refuse to grow up. Absolutely refuse to grow up. Does this sound like the times in which we're living where people just refuse to grow up? Listen, there are several articles that I found while studying this message that, that you can read for yourself about adults nowadays are a generation of kids who refuse to grow up. Adults are a generation of kids who refuse to grow up. Adults themselves, listen, probably shouldn't say this. My wife told me not to, but I'm going to go ahead anyway. Just like kids, if you let a kid along by itself, what will they eat? Or what will they drink? Whatever tastes good to them, right? Adults themselves nowadays are obsessed with sugary drinks, over-sweetened foods that they know that are bad for them, yet they could care less of the consequences of the long-term effects of their health. Adults now, hey, you've gotten to the age now to where, you know, young people have gotten to the age now where that they can make the choice on their own about what to eat or what to drink or even sometimes what to dress in. Have you been to Walmart lately and seen adults and what they dress in at Walmart? I mean, does that tell the story? A generation of adults who just refuse to grow up. We don't want to grow up. You know, uh, last year, me being a youth leader, I was out there with the uh, kids, and Greg knows this to be true. He's one of the leaders I was out there with kids running around just trying to be a kid just like them. And uh, I got down in my back and, you know, and, uh, and Greg, Greg hurt his leg one night and limped off. And uh, so, I mean, we're not kids any longer, right? But we want to be kids. We want to still remain in that condition. We want to still have that mentality that we're kids. And we, we, nowadays, people just don't want to grow up. This is not to, like I say, it's not to mention how the things that are happening today. It says, uh, we're consumed with the same fads as kids are consumed with nowadays. We play the same games that kids play nowadays. So much so that they don't even respect us as adults. Marriage. And having children are becoming later in life. Young people getting jobs are becoming later in life because they don't have any responsibilities. They simply just do not want to grow up. I'm under the impression that sometimes I'm the same way. Sometimes I just, I don't want to grow up. I want to still be a kid. 
As a matter of fact, this morning when I got up and uh, I go to get dressed, I asked my wife if it was okay for me to wear this long sleeve shirt that had some writing on it. And she's like, no, you don't need to wear that to preach in. And I'm like, why? What difference does it make? So I try to go get confirmation from my daughter, Sarah. Walking out, Sarah, you think it's okay for me to wear this shirt right here? She says, no, Dad, it don't look professional. You should look more professional when you're preaching. I don't want to grow up sometimes. But when it comes to spiritual things in our lives, we should be concerned about not growing spiritually. I know, it's hard. You know, things, things that don't work out quite like we think they should all the time. But hey, we have to grow. A child has to grow. And if a child doesn't grow, of course, like I say, we think something's wrong with them, right? And they want to grow. We want them to grow. The same thing is here. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child... I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I become a man, I put away childish things. We don't want to grow, we don't all grow the same, but there's one thing about it. We do grow. Have to. A believer in Christ has to grow has to constantly grow. Does growth happen fast? Of course, we said no. Growth don't happen fast. It don't just happen overnight, right? In, in 2 Peter 1, verse 5 through 8, Peter says, For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So does growth happen fast? Of course not. Not growing up, growing up is a process. And not everyone grows the same. Not everyone has the same opportunities. I was thinking through this and I was thinking, you know, some people may have just fell right into a good discipleship program when they when they come to faith in Christ, got really grounded in the Word of God and uh, had people around them that just took them in and taught them the Word. Those people had the opportunity to grow. And then there are people who, who grow up in churches or congregations that may not promote the growth of the believer, that may not promote... Uh, studying the word and reading the word and then there are people who might grow up in a environment where it's detrimental to them the very people that should be helping them don't help them uh so i know as when i was uh roughly around 19 years old i come to faith in christ and all of a sudden i got this new energy to just go out and to win the whole world of christ that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to tell everybody that I come up to 
about Jesus because what he'd done for me was alive and well inside of me, and it was just bubbling over in me. And I wanted to tell people about him. But you got those people who've been sitting around in the church all their life who have very limited knowledge, who may not even be saved, and, and they got a bunch of wet blankets, guys. They got a bunch of wet blankets, and every little fire that they see, they want to put it out. People that are on fire for the Lord, people that, are, that want to tell others about Jesus, we should be encouraging them in the faith. Go ahead. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the faith. Hey, we might not know everything. You don't have to know everything. The only thing that I have to know is Jesus Christ is the Savior and Lord of my life. I realized that I was on a path of destruction. I was on a path that was headed to a place called hell. And I, that's where I was going really fast. And all of a sudden, I come to know this guy who stepped in and took my place, okay? And he jerked me back out of there, placed my feet on a solid rock, and now I'm a believer in Christ, and my destination is heaven. And if that doesn't excite us, if that doesn't get us get our blood pumping, then something's wrong with our heart, right? We should be encouraged. We should be growing in faith. We should be growing in Christ. So, all those people who don't have that privilege, don't have that opportunity like everyone else did, sometimes you just have to scavenge for food, right? If it's not handed to you, you have to scavenge for it. Uh, you have to find different sources, different places like books or, or TV programs or a solid radio program that you can get into. But regardless of our environment, if we are believers, we will have a desire to grow, right? We'll have a desire to grow. Does growth happen fast? No. It doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. You will grow in faith in Christ. Okay? Does growth happen without effort? 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, Having nothing to do with irreverent or silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. What Paul alludes to is the training of a gymnast. The training that they did in order to prepare for an event. He says, train yourself for godliness. And he says, have nothing to do with these irreverent, silly myths that go around. Now, I know from being a wrestler in school that if you're going to survive those six grueling minutes that you're on the mat, you're going to have to do a lot of preparation. You're going to have to do a lot of running because you get out there for those six minutes and you expend all your energy, every bit, using all your muscles. And if you hadn't done all the prep work, you'll end up on your back and hear the, hear the head on the mat, right? So Paul's talking about right here is like an athlete training. We are to train. We are to do what we have to do, the prep work, in order to grow spiritually again. Using the analogy of a kid growing, you must watch what you eat spiritually. You don't take everything out there in. Don't focus on irreverent theories 
of the world, he says, anything that they have to offer, like the irreverent theories of creation or the irreverent theories of angels. It was big in those days, the theories of angels. And if you're on social media, and I'm sorry if this offends you, but if you're on social media, everybody dies, becomes an angel. That's just not biblical, people. But you see it. You see, angels are a different entity than humans. We don't become angels when we die. Irreverent theories. Are you mad at me? We don't become angels, okay? If that's news to you this morning... You want to talk about it. We'll talk about it later, okay? We don't become angels. It just doesn't happen. The earth just didn't explode and come into being one day. God, the creator, created it, and we're living in it and enjoying it, right? Irreverent and silly myths. He says, rather train yourself. We need to grow and understand these things. As I was reading through this last night and reading through it for the hundredth time or whatever it was, an email popped up in the right corner of my, my laptop that this was the title of it. Fooled by foods, question mark. And it was from WebMD. And listen to what it said. It said, with, some, with so many foods available today, it can be hard to know just what you're buying. Many foods in the supermarket shelves might not be what you think they are. And it had a list of the foods that we eat. And it was talking about the foods that we eat that are labeled 100% this or 100% that are not 100%. Of what they claim to be. And listen to this. This particular one. It says there's nothing natural about some natural flavors. In packaged foods. Food companies make them in lab. To mimic flavor of real foods. Recently the FDA banned several synthetic flavorings. In response to the data that showed health risk in lab animals. If you want to eat healthier Stick with the original natural flavors, the ones found in whole foods. What does that got to do with this? There's all kinds of things out there today. There's all kinds of theories. There's all kinds of ideas about what the Bible says. We don't need those ideas if they do not line up with the Word of God. But if we don't grow, if we don't get a knowledge of what the Word of God says, how are we going to know if they're right or wrong? We sit idly by and just let people tell us anything? Or we sit idly by, kind of like, just just think in these terms, kind of like David 
David goes out to the battlefield, people. And he sees this giant mocking the armies of God. And little old David's like, wait a minute, y'all going to let him do this? And I'm like, you just worry about tending to your sheep, okay? We'll take care of this. Little old David says, hold on a minute. I'm not going to let him defy our God. We're going to stand up for what's right. We're going to stand up for the truth that we know, and we're going to defend it like David defended God before the giant. Now, there's a huge, huge giant out there, okay? And we're struggling against it right now. There's all kinds of belief systems that we, we're, we're being faced with. There's all kinds of theories that are being thrown at us. Every, everything that can go against the Word of God is being promoted as the Word of God. You know, that the tolerance deal, that we're to be tolerant about everything, can't be tolerant if thus saith the Word of God and I have to go against it, Right? Am I right or wrong? Come on, people. Am I right? If you have to go against the Word of God to, to allow somebody else's belief system, something's wrong. We've got to be bold and stand like David stood and said, Hold on, wait a minute. This is God we're talking about. This is God's Word. But if we don't know His Word, if we don't know His Word, it's kind of hard to defend it. If we're still babes, it's kind of hard to defend it. Does growth happen without effort? No. Sometimes it takes a lot of energy. It really does. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. The heading was straining towards the goal. And Paul, is, Paul the apostle now here is speaking. And listen to his words. Not, this is, sorry, not that I have already obtained. Not that I have already obtained this. Or am already perfect. But I press on to make my own because Jesus, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Uh, do we ever stop growing? According to Paul, we never stop growing, right? We never stop growing. Now, we're talking about a man that wrote at least 13 books in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, at least 13. And listen to what he says. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Not only Paul wrote at least 13 books of the New Testament, Paul also was a mentor to most of the people of the New Testament. There's always room for growth. There's always room for tweaking the word. 
the spiritual growth. Okay, so we're going to look through these right quick. I have listed marks of spiritual growth as seen in marks of growth with children. Now I'm going to try to finish this pretty quick. But I want us to think of these things. Let's look at six marks of spiritual growth in the Christian life and, and see what these marks are. Number one, they go from milk to meat. A mark of spiritual growth in a Christian is that they go from milk to meat. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3 says, but, but I, brother, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now are not ready. For you are still of the flesh, for while there are jealousies and strifes among you, you are, are not of the flesh and are behaving only in human ways. There's nothing wrong with a baby drinking milk, right? That's what you're supposed to do. But at some point, in some time, uh, they should develop an appetite for solid food, right? John MacArthur writes this in his commentary. Describes milk as in this way. Milk is not the reference to a certain doctrine, but to the more easily digestible truths of the doctrine that we're given as new believers. He compares milk and solid food by saying solid food, the deeper features of the doctrine of Scripture, the difference is not the kind of truths, but the degree of the depth of it. Spiritual immaturity makes one unable to receive rich truths. Milk is like pre-digested truth, easy to swallow whole, but meat requires developing teeth and act the action of chewing. There is more involved in the process of food. One mark of spiritual growth is you go from milk to meat. The next mark is that they need, you need less corrective action. According to the scripture, you're going to need less corrective action. Just as a child requires less discipline as they grow. You would hope so, right? You would hope at some point and sometime as a child they require less discipline. They stop uh, arguing. They stop fighting. And when you tell them to stop doing certain things, they actually stop. And when that happens, you become really surprised at what's going on in their lives. But they need less corrective action. And a believer as well. We stop fighting against things. We stop justifying behaviors that are, that are not beneficial to our testimony. And we become more sensitive to the spirit of God in our lives. Number three, they choose their battles. As a child, everything is of the utmost importance, right? And most of the time, of course, my dad's here. He knows how I was as a child. Lord blessed him to get through those years. But anyway, as a child, if you don't get your way a whole lot of time, what, what happens? You throw a temper tantrum, right? You want your way, and it's regardless. It don't matter if it's just uh, taking a toy or anything. They got to have their way in every situation. They want their way, and that's what child. But as we grow, as a child grows... 
those little petty things that becomes that were so important to them, it's not quite that important anymore. The same as with the believer. They learn. Listen to this. Are we growing? They learn to avoid conflicts. Avoid conflicts that are not worth fighting for. Getting our way. Sarah, don't say nothing. And always having to be right becomes less important to us. And Sarah knows I have an issue with that. But I'm working on it, okay? We debate a lot of times, and she says, Daddy, why you always got to be right about everything? That's one of my faults, okay? But we grow. And as we grow, we learn to choose our battles. Now, there are some things that we have to fight for, right? Jude said we're to earnestly contend for the faith. There are some things worth fighting for out there. There are some things that where we don't waver. Number four, they acquire wisdom. A child may, be, may have to be watched. They have to watch everything that they're doing because they really don't know the ins and outs of what's good and what's evil. Or they don't know who's the bad people. Or they don't realize that there are bad people. They sort of have a trusting spirit about everything. But was as they grow... They begin to recognize what is bad and what is good. They begin to recognize that they don't trust everybody or everything. And we as believers are the same way. As we grow, we begin to understand what's beneficial to our spiritual lives. What is beneficial to our spiritual lives? And we make our decisions based on what we know about what the Scripture says and not by how we feel. Number five. They take more responsibility. As I mentioned earlier, young people nowadays are getting jobs much later in life. Living at home longer, getting married later, having children later, which in some cases is a sign of immaturity. Not all, not all, but in some cases a sign of immaturity. Or just a sign that they're afraid of responsibilities, right? They're a lot more comfortable letting their parents do the work and them reaping the benefits, right? As believers, when we grow, we should take more responsibility in this big project that we're in called the gospel. It should become a part of our life. We should take on responsibilities that now we want to share the gospel. We got people teaching people, and those people who teach people become teachers of other people and they're just spreading and they become this disciple becomes a disciple maker and that disciple disciples those people and they become disciple makers we should have more responsibility and then finally i know you're glad for that word right finally they view time different as a child it appears that they will never ever get old enough to do certain things right just time just creeps by for a child they will never get old enough to get their license, and they will never get old enough to graduate high school, and then they will never get out of college, and then they're never going to get a job. But then when they get a little bit older, my, they want to grab the reins and pull them back and say, whoa, wait a minute, where did all that time go, right? As an adult, we know this. I had a guy once tell me, he, he was around 75, and he told me, this has probably been 
15, 20 years ago. He said, when you get older, he said, time just flies. And if you're older, you know what I'm talking about. It seems like it just flies by, right? But for children, it's like it's the never-ending day. It's the never-ending week, the never-ending month, the never-ending year. In Psalm 90, verse 12, he says, So teach us to number our days that that we may get a heart of wisdom. As a child, we can only live in the moment. But as we grow, we learn to live for important things. And that's eternal things. What's more important this morning than eternity? What's more important this morning than spiritual growth? Some game system? Some TV show? I know I'm meddling a little bit, but just think in those terms. What's more important than spiritual growth? What's more important than us breaking open the Word of God, looking into the perfect law, and understanding what God would have to do in our lives? Question, are you hitting the marks? Are you where you should be at your, at your particular place in life as a believer? Some of you in here probably have just come to faith in Christ. Some of you have been uh, a believer for several years. And then there's some of us in here that's been believers for a long time. Are we where we need to be? You kids over here, you know where you're at. You know you're hitting the marks. You're growing. Realize that this is happening in your life. But what about us? Are we hitting the marks? Well, I hope you're hitting the marks. And I hope that something that's said this morning will encourage you to continue to grow spiritually.